And Paul uses this Isaiah prophecy to show that the mystery of the gospel was not revealed through the normal process of human learning. I have not seen, ear have not heard, heart or the mind has not understood these things. It didn't come through the natural processes of human learning, but it was a mystery that God had foreordained. The mystery of the gospel itself, Jesus Christ and him crucified, came by way of the revelation of the Holy Spirit through the apostles' lives and also to all those who would believe. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Corinthians chapter 2 took the title right from the passage itself in verse 2 that speaks about Christ and Him crucified. Now, I have enjoyed Paul as he has been a wordsmith thus far in 1 Corinthians. I've enjoyed reading how he has taken words and reversed the emphasis of them from human to Godward to showcase God's work among the church today. And so he is a wordsmith or having wordcraft that refers to someone who has an expert use of words. And Paul's been displaying that here in our text thus far. Since 1 Corinthians was written as a letter to the church of Corinth, it didn't have the chapter breaks, the verses that we are accustomed to today. It's necessary then to back up just a couple of verses to help us get into our text today in chapter two, where we closed out last week in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses 30 and 31. With the word of God telling us, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom in God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. And since Jesus Christ has become for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption from God, Believers, then, we should not glory in ourselves. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. And we'll see this in chapter 2, where Paul explains the condition of his spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit as he came to the city of Corinth. I'll go ahead and pick up our first point and read for us verses 1 through 5, and then we'll open in prayer. At this point, how Paul came to Corinth. And I, brethren... When I came to you, 
did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Father, I pray that you would open our understanding this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would work among us today, that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see the truths that have been given to Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written for the church in Corinth, and then passed on to all the churches since that time through your holy word. Help us to realize, Lord, that the message of the gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Help us to realize that today, Lord, and help us to be willing to proclaim that in the day and age that we live in as well. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul came to Corinth, he says, in weakness, fear, and much trembling. And we have to look back to the book of Acts to understand what really brought Paul to this place of weakness, fear, and much trembling. In his second missionary journey, it had already been filled with great difficulties as he and Silas, they had been beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. They saw a riot break out in Thessalonica. Paul was sent away from Berea after strife broke out there. And finally, he ended up in Athens where it seemed that he had an ineffectual work there. While in Athens, Paul, if you read the sermon from Acts 16 that Paul preached there on Mars Hills, Mars Hill in Athens, he displayed an excellence of speech and of wisdom. His preaching was filled with persuasive words of human wisdom, and it won just a few converts. I believe it is a masterful message that Paul gave there in Athens. And I'm not saying that it wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit. It just did not get the results that Paul had desired for it. The word tells us that a few believed. So Paul, we might say, he had taken a great licking by this time, and he was still barely ticking. When he came to Corinth, he was alone and weary. He was determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. He did not have this excellence of speech. The Greek word, properly it speaks about uh, a height. We might think of seeing a mountain range, and the highest mountain in that range would describe this Greek word for us, that of superiority or that of top elevation. He did not have a distinguished eloquence or wisdom from human level, his speech, his words, the word Greek word there, logos, and we're very familiar with that word. The wisdom, we looked at this over the last couple of weeks as well, Sophia, 
he was not declaring the wisdom or the speech of men, but the testimony of God. He was declaring the testimony of God. It's actually a Greek word that refers to the mystery of God, the mystery referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ that he refers to in verses seven and eight. The word for mystery in the Greek, and it actually describes a truth that had not yet been revealed by God, but had now been revealed to the apostles, the preachers, the prophets of the New Testament. And although Paul was an intelligent and learned man, he was determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, a message that he presented to them in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And today it would do well, I think, in the church today that the same message of Christ and him crucified be preached, for in that is the power of God to change lives. I think sometimes we come with perhaps not the humility that Paul had when he came to Corinth. Paul had, as I said, he had been beaten down, by physically beaten down uh, in the cities prior to coming to Corinth. And he came there in humility. The church would do well today to have the same type of humility, to present the same message that the Word of God has stood on in the New Testament for these 2,000 years, Christ and him crucified. But we find today that our church is getting away from the message of the gospel. And they're beginning to actually do what Paul said, I did not do. They're starting to have the philosophy, the wisdom of this world, trying to bring it into the church itself to have more people come, to think that it would be attracting. But they, they may have more bodies come into their pulpit, but they're preaching a message that lacks the power of God to change lives. So he said, he came in demonstration and power, verses four and five. My speech, my logos, my preaching, it refers to being a public crier. They were not with persuasive or enticing words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, my speech, it came with the demonstration. Here in 1 Corinthians, where the apostle speaks about a proof, a showing forth or a display by the operation of the Holy Spirit of God in his life, this demonstration, God the Holy Spirit came and worked alongside Paul in the message itself that the hearers would know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It did not come by the spirit of men or the wisdom of men, but by the spirit of God and the power of God, not the power of men, but the power of God. Their faith, pistis in the Greek, it is found 243 times in the New Testament. It speaks about a conviction of truth, a belief, a firm persuasion of the word of God. And combined with Paul's preaching of the gospel was the demonstration, the power of God through the overshadowing work of the Holy Spirit upon Paul and the hearers. I think we need to remember that when we come together as the body of Christ and the word of God is being proclaimed, it's not just about the words that a preacher might gather together on the page of paper. 
but the desire of the work of the Holy Spirit to be in the one who is proclaiming the word to God's people, but also the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of those who are listening as well. The empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives is something that we should be praying about. That we should pray that there would be an effectual work of the Spirit upon our lives. That we should also pray that the Holy Spirit would not only work in our lives, but in those that we minister to as well. And Paul came to the Corinthians in weakness and fear and in much trembling that he might present to them Christ and him crucified. We next learn in verses 6 through 9 how the apostles preached. I'll go ahead and read the context for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How the apostles preached. They preached in the wisdom of God, verses 6 and 7. He said that we speak wisdom among those who are mature, those who have come of age, yet not the wisdom, not the Sophia of this world. And there's two Greek words that could be used to be translated as world. One is cosmos. We know that even in our English today, kind of a direct, directly from the Greek, the cosmos, the world itself. This is actually speaking of an age, not the world. He does use cosmos later on in the text. But here he speaks about an age. It's speaking about a particular time in history. Not the wisdom of this age, the age of the first century church, or the rulers of this age that they lived with during the Roman era at that time, who are coming to nothing. But we speak wisdom, we speak Sophia, wisdom from God. A mystery, remember in the Bible, a mystery is something that has been hidden by God, but then revealed through the apostles, the preachers, the prophets of this age, we speak a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. These things that God had foreordained even before the world was created. God now bringing to revelation to the first century church there through the apostles from which today we get our Bible from. And so they speak to the mature, those who have been come to that place of maturity, or it's a Greek word that can mean complete or perfect, to not the wisdom of the age, of their day and age that they live in. And today, the church should not be worried about speaking the wisdom of the day and age that we live in. The wisdom of our day and age would draw people away from God. The wisdom of our day and age says that there is no God. And so we need to be careful to not associate the wisdom of our age and to try to take away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, as many are doing today. But it's a mystery. 
It's actually a word that was translated as testimony in verse 1, the same Greek word used here, a revelation that came to the apostles, the prophets, the preachers of the first century that have been recorded for us and given to us in the New Testament today. It had been ordained by God, a Greek word that had been used six times in the New Testament, and it refers to the predestination of events and peoples by God before their concrete historical time. That this was what God had planned in advance before any of these people existed, the mystery of the gospel before Christ came as a babe in the manger there in Bethlehem, before Jesus Christ was crucified there upon a cross in Jerusalem. God had foreordained these things and now brought revelation of these things that it would be to the doxa, to the glory of God concerning the wisdom of this age. The scholars, the scientists, the intellectuals of the world may be held in great esteem by men, but to God, their humanistic reasoning are foolishness. In fact, the evolutionary philosophy that dominates the wisdom of this world, it has led to our modem immoral culture to racism, to imperialism, to communism, to Nazism, to New Age pantheism, to humanism, to atheism, to abortionism, and all manners of evil and foolishness, beliefs and practices. That was written back in 1996 by Henry Morris, speaking of the wisdom of the world today. And we've seen this. That was written... <laughs> 1996, many years ago, but it is uh, being seen so well in our society today. Our human philosophy that has drawn people away from God, it has opened doors to all kinds of things that we would have never imagined could take place in this great country of ours, but they are taking place. Romans 1.22 reminds us Professing to be wise, they became fools. That's how God views them. Paul and Silas, their ministry team, they spent a year and a half there in Corinth. And the Bible tells us in Acts 18, 11, teaching the word of God among them. And thus combined with the preaching of the gospel was also the teaching of God's word to God's people. And the Holy Spirit not only demonstrated divine power through the preaching of the gospel, but also revealed to the apostles the hidden wisdom of God by unveiling this mystery of our salvation through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's a mystery that has been unveiled, and we find it recorded for us in our Bibles today. I think it's also so important not only to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people might be saved, but also to teach the word of God. It's one of the methods that we have at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. It's why we go through the Bible the way we do, uh, taking it book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, that we can learn from the word of God how we should conduct ourselves in this world that we live in today. In Colossians 1, verses 26 and 27, Paul writes, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known 
What are the riches of the glory of this ministry among the Gentiles? So here is the revelation. Paul writes it down for us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery, it is Jesus Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And God's provision for our salvation, Jesus Christ and him crucified is no longer a mystery, but is the message that needs to be proclaimed by all the redeemed of the Lord today. In verses eight and nine, he speaks of the Lord of glory, saying, which none of the rulers of this age, Paul referring to that particular age that he lived in, none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Although the rulers of this age intended for Jesus to be put to death, had they known who Jesus Christ truly was, that he was the son of God, that through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross could bring about the salvation of all mankind. Had they known these truths, they, Paul said, would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And we have people in our day and age who are questioning the very work of Jesus Christ. One famous quarterback coming out this week, questioning the very word of God, saying something that is not new to anyone who's been around the church for a long time, and repeating the same old thing. How could a God of love, if he is a God of love, send millions, if not billions of people to hell? He actually used the number in saving only 144,000. Why pick that number? Know the word of God. And know actually that the 144,000 speaks about a time that is in the end from the book of Revelation. is not referring to the church today at all, but is a future work that God is going to do. But there are those who continue to question. But had they known, they would not reject Jesus Christ. God's provision for our salvation, Christ and him crucified, it's no longer a mystery, but it is a message that needs to be proclaimed. And the rulers of this age, they intended for Jesus to be put to death, but they did it in ignorance. They did not know that he was the Messiah, nor did they understand the plans of God. Yet all these things, they were foretold by God. In Acts 3, verses 17 and 18, when Peter preached, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did this in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Peter, as he preached to that crowd on that day that gathered around after the healing of the lame man there at the temple, he said, I know you guys did this in ignorance, but these things which all the prophets prophesied had been fulfilled, Christ, that he would suffer, that he would die, that he would be buried, that he would raise again from the grave to offer salvation to whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Here's where uh, our quarterback has it wrong. God has made a way of escape. Just because mankind rejects God's plan doesn't mean that God is at fault. He has made a way of escape, and that escape is through 
Christ Jesus our Lord. The religious rulers of Israel, the Gentile leaders, along with the unbelieving Jews, through their rejection of Jesus Christ, they unwittingly became part of the fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. He is the Lord of doxa. Speaks about reputation, fame, or honor. And he said so in John 17, 5, praying to the Father, he said, Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, for just a moment in the history of this world, he set aside his divine glory that he could come in the likeness of men, that he might die upon the cross. But prior to going to the cross, he prayed to the Father. He said, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world was. And Jesus received glory from his Father. It's seen through his work upon the cross and the brightness of his glory through the work of Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now he is there with the Father in his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.